welcome all those that are sitting here uh, listening to this episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. Thank you all for tuning in and uh, give me an opportunity to share um, this exposure in my life uh, and being able to share the people that I've been exposed to have the blessing to be able to uh, be a part of and connect with you. So today I have my, my brother, I won't even say my brother-in-law, but my brother, uh, uh, I call him Jay, well, he called himself Jay Haleen, J-H, you've seen it, hashtag I won't starve, hashtag you won't starve, hashtag ain't nobody starving, <laughs> that'll be the third book. But Jamar Washington, welcome to uh, to ATFG and, and gracing the, the platform with us today. So thank you so much. Man, I appreciate you. This is dope. This is dope. This is dope. I've been paying attention to it. I, I saw the all things fine and gentry on the come up. <laughs> well, you've seen it for, for years, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, it, the first time that, that we connected, I was still in high school. And, uh, you know, Emerald's two years older than me, and she was at uh, Benedict. And uh, so it was my senior year, I want to say. And um, as, you know, thinking about, hey, I want to go to an HBCU, do all these things. She's like, hey, come down for homecoming. <laughs> and so I uh, made my way down to Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, she was in honors dorms and all this stuff. So I couldn't stay with her. Um, but she was like, hey, I got some people you can hang with. Hang with. And all I got to say, that whole weekend was a blur uh, for several reasons. Um, so I guess it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm grown now, so my, my parents and others don't. It doesn't matter. But it was a lot of black and miles, a lot of Southern comfort. Hey, HBCU living, <laughs> man. And uh, riding around, listening to uh, Do or Die and a couple other things. But um, you've, uh, you, you've, you've, you've seen me grow. Uh, and vice versa. I've seen you grow and and um, wanted to be able to have this conversation for you just to kind of share, number one, your story. Uh, number two, how you've converted that into your platform, yeah. right? Um, and then kind of what you're doing and, and what you're trying to uh, teach people um, external to here. So um, let's, let's first start kind of your story, right? Well, I'll say this, uh, simple plug. If you want to hear the story, you can go out and buy the first book, I Won't Starve, because yes, yes. that is there. Amazon bestseller. You can connect with it. Um, but tell us your story, and uh, uh, we'll kind of go from there. Well, you know, like he said, met me at Benedict College, where I met his lovely sister, who's now my wife. But I come from Newark, New Jersey, rough background. Everybody know about Brick City. Um, I embody that a thousand percent. You know, I was out in the streets since I was 13 years old. Um, been shot at that time and put guns in my hand at that time doing what I needed to do. But I always knew it was something better. And I believe now that God had his hand on me because I always was the one never wanted to leave school, never wanted to drop out, nothing like that. But I did what I had to do to take care of myself. So going to college was a, a way out. However, I still took those same tactics with, to college with me. And so I, I became a felon at that time. But meeting my now wife, you know, she showed me other things. So she was my moral compass at that time. You know, it was just like, all right, well, I'm going to keep her away from anything I'm doing negative. I'm going to protect her from anything that happens. And my goal was when she graduated ahead of me, I was like, you know what? I, when I get back with her and we link back up, I'm not doing anything else wrong. And I haven't since then. So, you know, um, it's been a struggle because you know how this country is. They don't let that, you know, go. I was a total juvenile delinquent 
Oh, most people, once you get your first charge, that's your only mulligan. Mm. You know, so once when I became a felon, that was like my third charge. So yeah. I couldn't get it off my record. But I graduated with honors and I still couldn't get the type of job that my degree required. So entrepreneurship was the only thing. Mm. And so I went that road. And it's a tough road. You know, I teach people now about, you know, how hard it is. And we thought that we won going to Maryland, doing very, very well after we got married. But the Great Recession hit. Yeah. And so a lot of people was impacted by that. My wife was one of them. She lost her job due to politics, literal politics. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, Joe Biden's chief of staff was her boss. He took the job and yeah. let everybody go in the moment's notice. And so we've been on a, you know, like a whirlwind at that point. But that's when I became a real man. Yeah. You know, I became a real man. I had to figure it out. I had to be coming to my own. So at that time, you know, I, I used I was already saved, but I really went into church and started digging and I started um, using my camera at my church. I worked for my church for free for three years, but I honed my craft at that time. And I, I did so much amazing things. I knew it was God because my church has like 10,000 followers on YouTube and I don't have nowhere near that. Yeah. But I was able to do that for them, you mm -hmm. know, have multi-million um, views I was able to do it for the church. So doing that platform opened up my platform. And then, you know, I just started growing in my business, started moving. And you, you know, you know, you were around yeah. for the bad times. And as it started to grow, and then I started understanding what I needed to be. Mm. And so once um I started seeing some daylight, I was like, you know what? Let me teach other people how to do it. And that's where I won't starve came in 2017. You know, I had an amazing year in 2016. It was a transformational year for me in business. And so in 2017, I said I was going to reinvest into myself, into my company. And it catapulted me to places I've never been in my life so far as, a, as an entrepreneur. So immediately I said, how do I teach other people how to do the same? So, um, you know, I started teaching I Won't Starve. To go back a little bit in 2014, when I left my job, I had finally was able to get some remnants of a job. But I went to a TDJ's conference and... Um, in Orlando, Florida. And he said, uh, that's when he dropped his book, Instinct. Mm. And um, I bought the book and he was preaching. He brought a lion out on the cage. A real lion brought him on stage. TDB. <laughs> you know what I mean? He brought a real lion on stage, man. And he was like, you know, um, this lion been in the same cage all his life. Wow. He said, so why, why is it that we still got him in the cage and we won't just let him out? Mm. He said, because something about his instinct, we're worried that he's going to become the lion that he's supposed to be. And I couldn't stop crying. You know, my life changed from that time, man, because at that point, I immediately started going after, like, okay, I'm leaving this job. I got my own office, even though I didn't really have the, the, the jobs to um, stand to set it up, but I did it anyway. Yeah. You know, I started working with my pastor in there every week. That was my standing appointment one time a week. But I said, you know what? I need something. I know what I'm looking for. So I'm passing out flyers, getting prepared while I'm working. And then something just was like, okay, it's over. I'm not going back to work no more. And I've never been back. And life hasn't been any better, you know what yeah. I'm saying, for me. But it was just one of those things. And then when I had that transformational year, you got to give it back. Yeah. You can't hold it for yourself. So, you know, I Won't Starve came. You know, I was telling people that as a negative because I got a lot of, oh, man, you stupid. Mm. You know, you just got a job. How are you going to leave it? I'm like. You know, at this point, I'm not going to starve. I done been through enough. I know what to do. And that was the truth. But I affected so many people positively. They would come back and tell me how the words, what it did for them and how it blessed them. So 
I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep blessing people. So we created the I Won't Starve Entrepreneur Development Workshop. And, you know, my life has never been the same since. So a couple couple of things I had to, um, as I'm learning to be a better podcaster, <laughs> I realized I didn't have anything to take notes on. So I had to quickly uh, open up my, my notepad here. But um, a couple of things I wanted to go back to, and you, you kind of hit on it um, first at, at well, the last thing that you talked about. So many people struggle with um, the concept of giving back, yeah. right? Especially in our community, because there's this this fear. I believe that hey, if I show somebody what I'm doing, that they'll 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 take it, right? And oh, I see how easy, quote unquote, easy it is for him to do it. I'm gonna do the same thing, and then um, uh, either try to take over the territory, yeah. take over the block, right? It's the it's unfortunately it's the same territorial mindset that that we've had, um, be it. Post Jim Crow, post segregation, yeah. um, uh, you know, post reconstruction. Um, but what what made you, or, or what triggered inside you to say, especially your background, right? Yeah. You know what it means to have your territory protect your area yeah. and stuff like that. Um, what triggered inside you to say, you know, I need to I need to give back. Well, especially coming from my background, when you decide that you're willing to give up the block, that means you got something better. Mm. And so for me, I understand that what I have on this level of life, I can't take to the next level. So I'm going to use it for what I need it for, and I'm going to leave it here for somebody else. That's good. But nobody gave it to me, and that's one of the main reasons why I do it, because my my situation shouldn't have been as hard. You know, I, I started my first business at 19. You know, a friend of mine and I had a club off of throwing parties. And then next thing you know, the club owner like, well, do y'all want to rent the club? We're like, mm. yeah. But we had people literally at an HBCU, black individuals saying, y'all shouldn't be doing that. You should be going to a job. I'm like, why aren't you telling us to go forward? Where would we be now? You, you understand what I'm saying? That, that, that's so <laughs> interesting because, um, so I went to Morehouse in Michigan, right? And so going to an HBCU and a predominantly white institution, PWI, TWI, traditionally white, whatever you want to call them, um, it's very interesting in the different way that you are taught. Um, and, and I went to Morehouse, right? And so you do have a, a large segment of, uh, of entrepreneurship and say, hey, you need to be the owner. But I think in general, just because we don't have a history of it, we don't have a um, uh, a yellow brick road to follow. Typically what we are taught is ultimately, Hey, just get a job, do the right thing, retire, you know, and, and you'll be all right. Just making it right. Versus, Hey, what you should be doing is finding a way to make the money work for you. Right. Or doing something that somebody else hasn't done and be able to, to grow that. Right. But I think it's hard in our community. Yeah. And, and that's, I want to ask you about this, um, especially since you do a lot of these teachings and workshops across the nation. I think it's hard in our community to uh, watch people, support people, or believe that you can go off on your own without uh, just working a normal job and climbing the regular corporate ladder. So how do you help people to get out of that mindset of, I need to put my 30 years in, right? We did conversations we just yeah, had, right? Yeah. How do you help people get out of that mindset? And we overcome by our testimony, man. So I, sh I share my story because again, I did graduate on, on the Dean's list, yeah. you know, um, 
my first year of college was the worst. I, I got seven credits, mm -hmm. but I met my wife the next year and I got all my credits every year after that. So I graduated on a five year plan, but I graduated on the Dean's list and I still couldn't get a job. Mm -hmm. You know, I've applied for jobs up until the last time it was 2012. We got a $60,000 job. I got hired for the job, went away to um, um, LA to do some work, some of the same type of work, pre-podcast days, yeah. blog days. Came back a week later and to a notice, Sam, your background came back. We got to resend your offer. Wow. You know, nothing that I did wrong. You know, I did everything right. You you saw enough of me to hire me. Right. You know, so it was just too much then. Again, living with watching my wife who did the, everything right. You know, she was a model student, model kid, everything like that. And jobs have screwed her. Yeah. Over over our lifetime together. Just, you know, okay, well, we got to let you go. Mm. And I'm like, that's not the way. You know, we got to have control so that our families won't keep getting put in that type of situation. So just continuously telling our story, telling the, how we overcame it. You know, I encourage in my, in my book to get a job, but for different reasons. You know, you get a job to learn. You know, you don't go for a job just for money. You get a job to learn. You get a job to train. Mm -hmm. You know, get a job to make connections. And then you move on. It's renting your talent. It's not Ooh. for you to be there for forever, you know, but people don't get that. I, I And when I coach individuals, they say, wow, I didn't think you would tell me to keep my job. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I had to do it on my own without the job. I wish I had the job. Right. I'd be rich. I said, but if I really got love for you, I wouldn't tell you to go through the struggle that I went through. I'm going to tell you how to get there a little bit easier. And so that's how it is. I don't want, you know, we do that in our community. We say, well, I had to get out of my mama's house at 18, so you do too. No, you're supposed to make it a little bit easier for the next generation. So the next generation of entrepreneurs coming up underneath me or I won't starve, going to get it a little bit easier than I had. Right. That's good. That's good. Um, I want to go to something that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm probably going to use it in a, in a post. <laughs> but you said renting your talent. Yeah. And I yeah. put a little note here saying they don't own it. And I think that's that's very a very interesting concept that you are working for a company but you are an asset to them, yeah. right? And that uh, oftentimes we we get into this, I would even say a slave-like mentality with our companies and our jobs of saying, um, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, they're treating me right and I'm just going to stay here, et cetera. But to your point, hey, you have spent your childhood, adolescence, and collegiate years if you went to college honing who you are, gaining this knowledge, et cetera. And no one else owns it. You own it, right? Yeah. And so you are renting it. You are allowing someone else to utilize your talents. But um, uh, could you expound a little more on that? Because I think that's something that uh, that people will kind of that resonate with some folks. It, it's, it's, you know, something that, you know, I teach about being an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, because when you're looking for that people as hiring executives are looking for entrepreneurial type qualities, but just don't want your own business. They want you to do it for them. Mm -hmm. So we call them entrepreneurs. So you still have to be a go getter. You still have to be a self starter. You still have to be someone who's able to lead a team and work within a team and, um, come to with ideas and things like that, be entrepreneurial. So they want you to have all the skills as an entrepreneur, but just do it for them. Yeah. And so when you realize the talent that you bring to the table, you get to literally come to the job with a different you know, attitude. You're saying, look, 
I'm important. I don't say be a butthole about it. Right, right. But at the same time, understand the importance, understand what you bring to the table. And then just knowing about business, the most important asset is the people. Yeah. The most important asset is the employees. Small business owners, well, I say micro business owners don't really understand that. But Walmart, you know, gets over because they pay their employees a little bit of money, but they got thousands of people yeah. who they pay minimal money. You know what I mean? To do the work that they're doing for that type of business, you should be getting paid double or triple what they get paid. But you're able to pay small wages and get millions of people to do all this work for, for little or nothing. That's an asset. So you lose a $150,000, $200,000 employee, it's hard to replace that. Yeah, It can take a year or two to replace that. And that you have to know that you, you count like that. Mm. You know what I mean? But you got to educate yourself. And going to the job, you'll start asking different things about the, the money because the money is always there. You can get it without them. But are you going to get training without them? Are you going right. to get connections by, with the job? If not, you might not want to be there. But just teaching them the same thing, not just entrepreneurship. I mean, entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship. That's good. That's good. Um, I want to go back to something that you had said. We, you're going down so many paths here, but <laughs> I don't I don't want to glaze over some things that um, maybe talked about. Um, your, your TDJ's experience and, you know, saying that you're looking at this cage lion, uh, you said that, that, that changed your, your, your mind there. That changed your, your, your trajectory amongst other things. Right. Um, how do you encourage people, uh, to let them see that, Hey, you do have this, this lion inside of mm. you, right. That you've been blessed with this, um, with this drive, uh, and, and literally to, to let it out the cage and, and to go after that. Cause I assume, uh, that as you go out and you're teaching people, you probably look at a lot of people who are scared. Yeah. Right. That a lot of people are like, yeah, that sounds good. And that probably worked for you. And you seem like you got a little more grit than I do, yeah. et cetera. How, how do you let people or, or help people to understand like, Hey, there's, there's a lion, let it out the cage. Well, the funny thing is, is that, you know, it's just like going to church. You get pumped up that, that you know, that sermon, you ready to run around the room and everything like that. But the beautiful thing with T.D. Jake's situation was the book was true to form, mm. you know. So I heard him preaching, but then, you know, I bought the book and I, I spent the next couple months, like whenever I'm at work, I, I had left it at work because I'm working overnight. So I'll be reading that book or the Bible. And he said he talked about me and other people. You know, he talked about I'm the guy who will be in a cage, who will just slam the door and never come back. Right. But he also talked about the guy who needs to go ahead and leave the door cracked. And you go out and explore and come back a little mm. bit. And you do that for a few nights. And then sometimes you might need that per that person who you need to get somebody with you yeah. and do it. So he didn't just glaze over the fact that you had to just slam the lock, the door and run. You have to know who you are. Yeah. And I try to find out who the person is because it's not a cookie cutter scenario. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. Everybody's not an extrovert. Some people are introverts. So you got to put them in their most comfort zone. Maybe they're in a great career. They just hate it. But you got five years before you retire. So you know what? Suck it up. Start doing your thing on the side, you know, and then in five years, you can go ahead and make it happen. That's, you know, my second book, You Won't Starve. It's, that's the hustle while you work phase. You know, mm -hmm. you're hustling. It's not what they always say, like, just hustle to do something. No, it's about the plan you have to your exit strategy. How do you start doing that? And I want to know where you are. If you just started a career, then you might can't just worry about sitting there for five years. You can probably bust a move now. But if you five years into, you know, about to be retiring, I'm going to tell you, like, you might want to sit there and get that pension, you know, that's real. so you could do this. And that's honest. And that's what I got from T.D. Jakes. And, you know, I've been reading books of his 
ever since. And everything was always legit. Like he don't just tell you, okay, this is the only way to do it. It's more than one way to skin a cat. So you had, um, you, you had talked about a, a few things, um, especially like your upbringing and how you're, you're talking with a lot of people and people are understanding your background, et cetera. I assume that there's a lot of people who have seen you through this journey, right? And as a part of that, you have some people that are still looking at you as the 13-year-old or as the 18-year-old or as the 22-year-old. Um, one, what has been your struggle with that of people not seeing you past a phase, right? Mm-hmm. Or some uh, moment in time that they met you. Um, so one, how have you dealt with that? Uh, two, how do you help them to see? And then three, for people that are still going in this journey of entrepreneurship, stepping outside of the the normal bounds, and they know that they'll get uh, maybe some pushback or some second guessing um, or even haters along mm-hmm. the way. How have you um, overcome that over the time? And how do you help people to understand how they can make it through those? I mean, I kind of believe that's got to be tough. It, it was until I started understanding that I couldn't see me through their eyes. Mm. And that was the biggest thing. I didn't see myself. Yeah. You know, I was trying to look through other people's eyes to see who I was. And then when I started looking directly in the mirror for me, it, it worked out. You know, um, I started, this is a person that you're looking across from right now who can walk into a bank. And I'm, I'm a partner with Wolf Forest National Bank. I can walk in there with an I Won't Starve t-shirt on, some shorts, and talk business. Right. You know, my last workshop, they they put up $10,000 before anybody else did yeah. to do it. And I've never put on a suit and tie, according to what everybody else says, to go ahead and get you know, that type of business with them. I just put them, I put the workout first mm-hmm. and they respect me for who I was. But other people around me would tell me something different. I would see myself through their eyes. So my goal for my people is to help them see who they really are. Because even with coaching, you try to, pe- I don't want to make more J's. Yeah. I want to make you the best you. You that's know what real, I'm saying? That's good. So, and a lot of people think you got to make them you. Like, no, like that's one of my, I love Michael Jordan, but he's a horrible executive <laughs> because he only see him. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they can't be you. You go. Like, so you got to help them be the best them. Yeah. And he hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Of course, we know as believers, you can't give nobody else God-given talent, but right. God gave it to you. But you can do the best you can to make them the best them. And I had to see it in me first. And for years, I didn't, man. I would allow people to do that. But now, I don't feel that anymore because I know who I am and I see myself. But it was tough for a while. That's good. That's good. Um, so you, you, you spoke about a couple of books, right? <laughs> so you're, you're a, a two-time author now. Um, there's a lot of people who struggle with saying, I have a story to tell. Yeah. But do people one want to hear it do i need to put it down do i need to communicate it um and you know this fear of failure i think this is in general right all of this stuff when it comes to entrepreneurship and this life in general is this fear of failure um what prompted you to write and then um you know how has that journey been uh and then um what 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 type of advice would you give people that that you know may have a story to tell Mm -hmm. etc well this the what with me, what prompted me to do it was I was doing everything else. So basically, you know, when you become a speaker, they say you need a book, you need all this other stuff. I had already, you know, I wasn't waiting on nobody to book me. I created my own workshop. Right. You know, so people was paying to come to my workshop. So I created that. You know, I, I already had my merch. 
you know, people was already booked, started booking me to speak afterwards. The only thing I didn't have was a book, mm. but the process was hard. I didn't know that I had so much pent up aggression and mm. all that other stuff like that, but I hired a coach. And so when she came in, she helped me get that out. Yeah. And, you know, I was emotional and I'm like, man, where that come from? <laughs> you know, but it was so therapeutic for me mm. um, in that time. And I was like, man, I got stuff I need to get out. And wasn't nobody there to stop me, but nobody there to fall asleep or nobody there to be like, I got something to do. I don't want to hear all this. The, the pages never stopped, you know? Yeah. And I was like, man, I needed that. And I felt so free when I finally got it out. I, I let go of any animosity I had towards anybody at that time. Um, I realized I started growing up. Yeah. In that space, like whatever I did, I blame myself for, not nobody else, because we ultimately had a final say. Yeah. If nobody ain't hold a gun in your head to do anything or literally force you to do something, that's on you. And a lot of us, that's a hard thing to deal with, you know. So I had to do that. So that was my process. But I tell somebody who got a story, they got to tell it. One thing on the second book came from stuff I've been talking about for years, mm. you know. So my principles, I taught that in my workshop. Um, I just expounded on it. I was talking about it with a friend of mine. We were doing something called the building sessions. We do it once a week. And we'll be talking about hustling while you work and mm. how to do this stuff all through that. So it was just stuff that was already there. But the first time, I just needed to get that part out so that I could move on. You know, was a, uh, you know, you how much can you drive your wife crazy <laughs> with, you know, beating her up in the head about stuff? Or, yeah. You know, you needed to get it out and I needed an outlet. Now I do it way more. I got about three or four books ready to go. Yeah. You know, outlines and everything like that. I found a new um, muse of mine. Yeah. So um, were you surprised at the reception yeah. and, and all of that? Right. I mean, like, especially since you said, it, you know, it, it was an emotional experience for you to actually get in there and um, to essentially let people in right were you surprised at at the reception and all of that yeah man i was extremely surprised i mean i'm like who want to hear a book for me and i never you know and i never thought about that i was just go, you know as a business person i was going through the process right. they say okay you need a book okay i'll do a book mm -hmm. cool but man once i put it out and people started calling me and saying oh my god i didn't notice about you and people i've done business with here i am contracted with the state County, they, they never asked me about a background. Right. But every time I went for a job, they up and down. But I'm doing work with the National Guard. I'm doing work with Save the Children Foundation. I'm doing work with all these major brands. And nobody never background checked. Yeah. And so some of those people read the book like, I didn't know that. And they didn't look at me bad. Right. They was like saying, hey, no good for you to yeah. get out of that. Yeah. But so, you know, it was kind of crazy. It was definitely a blessing at the same time. But yeah, the, the reception was great. And then um, when we started talking about the numbers, I mean, we did 500 books in 45 days. Wow. And so I was like, oh, this is something different. <laughs> you know, this is a whole other thing. And before COVID, I mean, we was at 1,500 books. Yeah. So I'm like, and like three months, three months. So I'm like, bet we about to really go and do this thing. So it was a lot, man. And so that's why I'm like, let's do the second one. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's yeah. So good. we had some free time. I'm like, okay, well, I was going to do this at the end of the year, but. Since I'm sitting in the house, let's rock <laughs> right, right now. Let's write this book. Yeah. So, so um, you spoke about like the next generation, yeah. right? In the next generation of entrepreneurs under you. And so um, we have a book that's going to be released this week. Uh, Pre-orders are available yeah. now. Um, so talk about one, how you've instilled this into your children. Yeah. Um, talk about uh, what, what Sydney's putting together. Um, and then kind of, uh, you know, share a little bit of that. And then we'll, we'll kind of talk about what's next for, for the, the I Won't Star brand. 
you know, Sydney is, um, that's, that's me. You know, she looks like her mom, you know, she's very detail oriented like her mom, but when it comes to the go getting scenario, she's all me. And my kids been around, that's all they know, especially JJ. I mean, he's my compass because when he was born, we was going through, and that's when I kind of like made the decision to go on the path I'm in right mm. then. And so I remember getting my office the very next year. So that's all he remembers. He's crawling up and down the hallway yeah. and people, you know, that's sharing the hall with, with me. Oh, the baby's so cute. And so now I'm in another space and these people see pictures on Facebook like, that was the baby who was crawling yeah. down the hallway. Yeah. So that's all they know. You know, they come home from school, they come to daddy's office. They got their own space. Yeah. They get a chance to rock out. They got candy and snacks and juice there. They get to have birthday parties there, yeah. you know, play on a projected screen, play Madden with the um, friends or entertain. So that's all they see. I walk up and down the street and we drive in a car, Sydney's here, open space. Daddy, you can put a store there. Yeah. So that's already embedded in them. Change. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they use their room. They say their offices. Yeah. They play business and they'll say, hey, this is Mr. Washington knocking <laughs> on the door for Miss Washington or whatever. So they've already been in that. So with again with COVID happening and Sydney created her own nonprofit last year, she wanted she had a thing with this bullying situation at school. She stepped up for another young lady mm. who was being bullied, and you know um, it was an amazing thing. She's like, "Mom, Dad, I want to do something about it." So we asked the school, and they were slow rolling. And mm. I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, we can do it ourselves." Right. I'm like, "You don't know who your mother is," <laughs> <laughs> and so of course her mother jumped in immediately, got the paperwork together, and started having monthly meetings, and they were doing that up until COVID, of course. But I'm like, "Hey." Let's do something else. Right. So like, what, what are you thinking about? So she was talking about some other things. I was like, so why don't you write a book? And she was like, okay, can I do that? I'm like, yeah. Yes. Like, well, I hate writing these things in school. I'm like, no, writing a book is different. Yeah. You know, you can do your own thing. And of course, once I started working with my coach, I actually retained her. And she actually worked with me now full time. So I'm like, okay, we all, you got a team around you. Let's yeah. make this happen. Yeah. And the creative process was so dope, man. You know, I would come into the office and Sydney like hanging upside down off the chair or something. I'm like, what's going on? Leave her alone. It's yeah, her process. She and she's flipping down a thing, but then she come back in and she doing something. I'm like, okay, well, you got it. And she got it out of me. So yeah. like, of course you can get it out of an 11 year old, 12 year old. So, and they came up with an amazing product, man. Nice. She's going to have a three piece. It's a, um, a three part series. You know, this Malaysia's big move. But it's all her. Yeah. It's all her. She lives in um, a situation. She knows I move around a lot. Mm. And I and that's in the book, you know, and she she's, you can tell it's her story, but, you know, it's what she see. And she's definitely a protector. Yeah. She tried to protect all her friends and things like that. So she was able to get her voice out. So that was a hell of a way to have some education through the summertime. So. <laughs> Um, it's going to be great. You know, the book is amazing. It's, you know, she, she only reason it's coming out when it is, is because that's her anniversary, but it's yeah. ready to go right now. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, um, as we kind of round, round this out, um, you know, folks that, that are obviously listening to this on your platform, they, they know, they see everything that's going on, but as we expose more people to it, what's next? What, what can people expect? Obviously in this post COVID world, but, but how can they, um, get some of this goodness, right? <laughs> Beyond buying the book, which we'll say buy the book. Um, it's in all formats, but buy the book, uh, books, pardon yeah. me. Um, but, but how, how can they get some of this goodness and, and understand, Hey, what's, what's next on the platform or, or on the platter? Well, right now, of course we got our podcast, um, Jay Haleen TV, 
you know, um, it's in the studio with Jay Halim is a podcast name. It's on Jay Halim TV. It's on Spotify, iTunes, everything like that. So um, I'm talking to other entrepreneurs, giving them platforms that they don't have. Right. Know, my background, I was talking to in, uh, entertainers, but nobody was giving the entrepreneurs the platform that they yeah. needed. So I said, let me do that. But yeah, man, we, you know, the books are out. I'm talking all over virtually now, of course, trying to make some moves um, that I can, but definitely virtually. You know, we're training. We just got finished doing on the 18th of July. We did a whole I won't start off conference virtually. Yeah, it was very, very well attended. People stayed on. Everybody who came on, we, we retained like 95 people, 95 nice. percent of the people for four hours. Nice. You That's know? good. That's yeah, big. That was that was big. For you, us. You, you can't retain two people nice. on a two minute video on 95 percent because this is something this was, this was our six one yeah that's good and they still did it and we had people from all the way from atlanta all the way up to baltimore nice speaking so we're going to continue doing that we got the self self-employment summit we're going to do virtually helping people to get everybody don't want to be an entrepreneur right everybody needs a skill set yeah so you know we want to sell we're going to do that we're going to have a lot of the schools you know that's teaching people about trades teach people how to cut hair how to um, get a CDL license, things like that, giving people that opportunity so they can do that. Um, I Won't Starve Academy is a nonprofit now, full follow on C3. Nice. So um, in the near future, we'll be offering these classes for free. So they'll be sponsored by some of our sponsors. We have um, um, the Kaufman Fast Track class coming up October 6th through um, December 8th. Nice. So it's a 10-week class, entrepreneurship class. Um, it's a it's a small investment of 350 but it's worth it. Yeah, I you got to invest in yourself. Yeah, I took the class the, the, that was 850 like five <laughs> years ago, and, you know, it was well worth it for me, but they made, they, we still have that class, but they made this one for beginners. Okay. And now that we are partners with um, Kaufman, based out of Kansas City, yeah. we're able to offer it all over. So we're doing our first cohort this year um, in October. So that's going to be great. So anybody who need to get on that, I won't starve.com register and talk to us about scholarship situation. We still do have sponsorships. So if somebody really want to come in there, that'd be a good look. But other than that, jhalim.com. I am jhalim on all my social medias. Um, that's, that's where you can find us at. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for taking the time to <laughs> chat with us today. Um, and, and we'll have some, some details in the show notes here as I learn to do that. So, <laughs> Um, thank you so much for, for chatting with us. And I hope people will realize, man, there's a line inside of them, right? It's time to get out of yeah. here. Uh, don't, don't sell your, your talents for free, right? Yeah, I you mean, can't. it's gotta, it's out. It's so many good nuggets in here, but man, the, the one that hit for me, stop renting your talent, <laughs> man. So, uh, that's good. That's good. Hey man, thanks a lot, brother. Uh, love you, man. Love man. you too, man. Thank you so much. This is going to be something amazing, uh, at all things fine and gentry. It caught people by surprise, <laughs> but I already knew what it was. I saw it on the come up. So, you know, this this brother already know what it is. And um, I, I said to you, one of the first ones I saw your do-rag download, I said, this is needed. Yeah. Because a lot of people are not hearing from people like you. Yeah, that's right. You're hearing from a bunch of bozos. And, you know, but people need to hear from people like yourself. You know, a lot of times people that's in your position, it's written, you know, that they, they feel like they've turned themselves away from us. Mm. So when you brought it to, I was like, oh my God, this is needed. We need to hear that from somebody like him. Cause somebody like me might look like a, a, a rebel. That's real. You know what I'm saying? That's real. I see that. And that's cool. But we need people who understand. We know that you understand, but you you came to social media, you giving it out to the world. So I you know it's much appreciated. So I'm glad to I know I ain't the first person, but I appreciate it. Amen. 
appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm, I receive it. Uh, it's one of the things I'm learning. I'm going to talk about that probably in a do-rag download as well. <laughs> Got to be able to learn to receive it. So I receive it, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on this journey. No doubt. Thanks a lot. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you for the next episode of All Things Fine and Gentry, The Connoisseur. Talk to you later.